Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Truly outrageous, egregious, and offensive. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Credit Carolina as well. Um, I mean, they made they had some good plays, made some good plays. Um... You know, but like I said, we turned the ball over three times. We gave up 200 yards rushing. Um, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, we, that's, those are unlike us. They're really good defense. Um, you know, front seven, I think, uh, you know, the box, they did a great job of stopping the run all day. Um, you know, and then obviously, uh, you know, disrupting things in the pass game as well. So, um, you know, it just, uh, came down to a few plays that we didn't make and uh, it's frustrating so many things man i mean it's it's like we talked about off the top of the show uh so many things whether it's uncharacteristic 60 yard runs or uncharacteristic back-to-back 15 yard face mask penalties uncharacteristic drops i didn't i, I agree with kevin seifert i don't think 95 percent of what happened yesterday wasn't predictive or you know often repeatable but there was one thing that happened in the game. And that's very repeatable. It is repeatable. He's been pretty good on field goals for the most part this season, but not lately. Kai Forbath absolutely shanked a 54-yarder. And the one thing, Judd, I don't want to hear about the embarrassing missed. It wasn't just like he shaved the upright. Ah, whatever. You gave it a good run and it was 54 yards. What I don't want to hear is, well, it was a 54-yarder. I mean, it's a that's a that's a bomb. A, it's not a bomb in today's NFL. It's just not those go look at how many of those field goals were made 15, 20 years ago compared to now it's, it's, it's expected that you give it a good run from 54 yards on a regular basis. But number two, if you don't think you're going to have to make some long field goals in a road playoff game at Philadelphia or a game against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, you're going to have to, you're going to be in these close games. You're going to have to knock home a 52, 54 yarder maybe to win the game or to keep the game Alive in some form. Yep. And, and so, but there's nothing you can do. It's December, and it's not like there's somebody sitting on a couch that's going to help, you know, you know, take you to the next level. You just have to trust Kai Forbath, unfortunately. Yeah. Let's see. Frozen field, frozen field, and a grass field, and it might be okay, but not fantastic. Where would that happen? How about Philadelphia yeah. NFC title game? There are certain things. Here's my here's my thing with what we saw on Sunday. I'm with you and Seifert. Many of the things that transpired aren't going to repeat themselves. And and if you sit there saying, well, Thielen dropped a pass, okay, that's too bad. But he's been fantastic all year. Harrison Smith missed a tackle. That's really, really rare. But he's unbelievable. Stefan Diggs tipped a pass. The pass wasn't great. Um, 
You can go through the laundry list of things that went wrong, and you can also say this team had also won eight consecutive games. They went two and one on a road trip that was extremely difficult. There are, however, they might not necessarily be uh, be able to be termed predictive. There are, however, things that we saw that you can't just ignore. Keenum two picks and a fumble can't be ignored completely. These are. I feel like Vikings fans. I the one problem that I feel like we run into is this sports fans whose teams get hot and they forebode the joy they're afraid but then they don't really want want to discuss the problem the potential problems and the potential problems for for the vikings to me are really really simple quarterback which you're right he's your guy but it's still a potential problem kicker i'm not going to sit here and say this defense man they They've been exposed because I truly believe that this this defense, if healthy, has the has a quality enough approach to change things and to adjust to things and to go back and and look at those runs on Sunday and said, okay, what broke down and then fix those things. But I do think there were you know two or three things that we saw that you also say, all right, you know what, these are going to be be concerns and they're going to be concerns through the end of your year. And you're not going to be able to change them. Your quarterback is, he's your guy. Your kicker is your your guy. But these are the things that when you have concern, I think are legitimate issues to talk about. Yeah, and defense is not one of them. I just don't, I know that there's people saying, well, my God, they gave up 31 points and uh, and they had a, a bunch of broken plays and whatever it was. But, you know, Cam Newton threw for 137 yards in that game. You held him in check in the passing game. There's the one big pass play where he gets out of the grasp of a couple defenders and throws a touchdown to Funches. But um, if busting off a couple 60 yard runs is the blueprint to beat the Vikings, I say good luck. Yep. If that's, go for it. If that's okay, that's we got the new blueprint. Mm-hmm. All right, here's what it is. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to have the most mobile and freakishly athletic quarterback in the NFL's history, and he has to bust off a 62 yard run. And then you're going to have to have a broken defensive coverage where your running back also runs for 60 yards. And if you do that, you can maybe narrowly beat the Vikings at home. So take, your, chance. So take your chances. Yeah. So I yes. I didn't see anything defensively that raised a bunch of red flags. Uh, on, on Case Keenum, I think the one thing to keep in mind is the other quarterbacks in the NFC, and then if you emerge through the NFC playoffs, the other quarterbacks in the AFC that he may have to go toe-to-toe with. And that's where you're going to have to really lean on the defense. So I think it's okay to say, and this goes to your point, that if you even suggest for a, a second that something might not be perfect with Case Keenum, you get a ton of backlash the last few months. Uh, but if you then point out the head-to-head matchups might be Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, maybe Aaron Rodgers still. That's still a possibility. They're only a game back of the sixth playoff seed right now in the NFC. And then if you emerge... How does he stack up against Ben Roethlisberger? How does he stack up against Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's Philip Rivers is red hot right now. And the Chargers have a defensive resurgence and they're winning a bunch of games in a row. I think it's okay to point that out that, you know what? Yeah, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks on the horizon here. Why do you keep comparing him to those guys? Because those are the guys you have to plow through in order to win a Super Bowl. Yep, and and my point is this: the only newfound concern, true concern for me after that that loss is the is the the line. And if Riley Reeves hurt, it's a major problem. It's an ankle, by the way. It's not. It looked like it might have been a knee, but it's yeah. an ankle for him. But if he's but if he's fine, if if 
what we saw, you can't get as deep as they were in, in the line, but by the end of that game and expect it to not go south. Uh, but besides that, there's nothing I saw in Sunday's loss where I said, that's a new concern. Injuries are always going to be a problem. And and if you are starting a line that has has one starter basically in his ordinary spot, that's a problem. But I'm with you. Defense does not concern me. Defense is going to, are they going to be perfect all the time? Absolutely not. But they're still very good. And, and Th- Thielen's going to catch the majority of passes. And guys aren't going to miss tackles. Uh, so I really, I really go back to I think the things that we have discussed for the last two months here remain your primary concerns, and those are not going to go away. You're not going to, it's not going to magically change. Um, as I told you before, too, I also think in the past two weeks we've seen two potential blueprints of playoff games. One went really well. The Falcons game to me was beyond impressive. It was a close game, but that's the type of game where your defense holds them. Your offense is is not great, but it's efficient as can be. And if that's the blueprint for a playoff game, you're in great shape. Yeah, it's the uh, Carolina game is tougher because you you trail by quite a few there, and this team, if they go down by quite a few, is going to have trouble catching up. Yeah, one thing to note, and this isn't just the Vikings; it's almost every non-Patriots team in recent NFL history. When you have to go on the road multiple games in a row against tough opponents. You know, it's kind of a 500 proposition. If you can finish 500 in tough road games, mm-hmm. that's all you can ask for. And then beat the teams you're supposed to beat and then win your home games. And that's why it is really important to maybe capitalize on what the Eagles are, are looking at here. Doug Peterson, by the way, is taking the uh, the podium right now. So we're going to have an official Carson Wentz update, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be good for the Eagles. So if they now have to push forward with Nick Foles as their starter... Vikings have to run the table to get to 13 and three and then hope that the Eagles can drop a game or two or drop a game and then the tiebreakers work out in your favor. And I'm not even sure if that's the case now that they beat uh, the Rams yesterday and the Vikings lost to the Panthers. Ian Rappaport's confirmed Twitter account with the blue check mark says that uh, Carson Wentz has a torn ACL and is out. There it is. So it's official. You're so, now you're down, down down to Nick Foles. Interesting. Nick Foles, Case Keenum, Jared Goff. Basically, and Jeff right, Fisher's Drew, entire Drew collection of quarterbacks. Yep, and Drew Brees with, with the Saints is in potentially great shape now. Yeah. Well, that's interesting for the NFC. Let's come back, expand more on that, and take your phone calls. Are you, as a fan of the Vikings, are you a little bit more nervous after yesterday? Or are you more in the in the camp that I stuck a flag in the ground of and said, you know what? If that's as bad as it gets and you still almost won the game, I would feel good about getting that out of my system if I'm the Vikings. What do you think as a fan out there? 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Yeah, we got fighters. Uh, we just didn't finish the game. We didn't play good enough to win. So it's hard to hard to win games when you don't play good enough. Uh, that is true. You know, right now at Luther Brookdale Toyota, Toyotathon is on. This is it. This is the biggest chance for you with two weeks to go until Christmas to uh, either splurge for yourself on that uh, that new Toyota, the 2018 Camry or the, the RAV4, maybe someone that you love, someone in your family. But Toyotathon means 0% financing on more than a dozen different models. It means all the bells and whistles and technological upgrades in the 2018 Camry and the RAV4. Highly, highly recommend stopping in on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and find out how you can lease a 2018 Camry for just $189 a month or a RAV4 for $199. Customer cash is also available on 21 different models. They're open until 9 o'clock tonight, so stop in 
on your way home. Uh, again, Toyotathon is on at Luther Brookdale Toyota, corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, or LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Bring it on! This is 1500 ESPN. We are just a day away from the 1500 ESPN Sports Fantasy Auction. It returns tomorrow, presented in part by Abel Chiropractic, TCL, and Town Hall Brewery. Listen, all day, beginning at 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. to bid on great experiences. All the money raised benefits Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute during Mackey and Judd. Plenty to choose from, including how about four tickets to a Timberwolves game in the TCL Theater Box with Mackey and Judd. And in addition to that, you also get a 65-inch TCL C-Series TV and a team autograph basketball. That's right, Timberwolves autograph basketball. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, courage. Wentz to his right. Flag is down, and Wentz in for the touchdown, but a flag thrown. We'll see if it's coming back. Well, nobody wants to see this. Carson Wentz is going off to get looked at in the locker room and the news is very bad for the Eagles and for Carson Wentz torn ACL out for the season and then we'll see with the timeline here this is sort of like the Adrian Peterson timeline from a few years ago where he did it in December and it was a race to get back for the start of the next season but uh, that makes the NFC playoff picture very interesting because even if the Eagles who Dave found something in the Star Tribune where even if the Vikings win out, the Eagles would probably have to lose two out of three Mm -hmm. for the Vikings to retake home field advantage. Mm -hmm. But if Nick Foles is going to be their starting quarterback now, A, it's more possible to lose two out of three, and B, even if they do get home field advantage, there's no guarantees that with Nick Foles playing a home game against, let's say, the Seahawks or somebody in the second round that you're going to win the game. Yeah. All I know is Peterson's best friend, I think, is uh, is sitting right now in a hunting blind, probably somewhere. Forty-eight-year-old quarterback who uh, who came wow. out of retirement once before. Doug Peterson's best buddy. No, he's just out in the field playing football with his buddies and his could Wranglers. I, could I still throw it around? Yeah, for that a couple would, games, well, pe- maybe. Well, people don't get it. is that Wranglers ad wasn't an ad; it was a documentary. <laughs> Check it out. I got a micro touch here. I got that copper fit sleeve. I'm ready to sling. Could I come back and play for my best friend? Oh, Maybe. Man. Does he want me? Absolutely. Brett Favre or Nick Foles? You have to ride one of the horses with this Eagles team. Brett. Who do you ride? Right this second? Brett Favre, right? It's not, it's not well, close. It's Brett Favre. You know what? 48-year-old Brett Favre. As we learned, though, earlier, Brett Favre has got nothing on Brett Hundley as far as Brett's in Green Bay. So That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Dave's not lying about that, actually. God help us. Go, Brett, go! Brett Favre, this, Brett Favre, that. Brett Favre could have done nothing compared to what Brett Hunley did today. <laughs> All you Brett Hunley haters, shut up. He threw for 265, three touchdowns. We're going to hate him when he plays bad. We're going to hate him when he plays good. He led this team to a win. In Cleveland against the Browns, and you had to come back from yeah. down a bunch. Yeah, the Browns have won one time in the last two years. How would you, off the top of your head now, now that you saw uh, yeah. the, the Vikings yesterday and, and now that Carson Wentz is out, how would you rank the like, percentage chance to make it all the way through the NFC playoffs, all the teams that, that have a chance right now? Who, who would be number one for you? Um, I think it would actually be the Saints right now. When I yeah, when you a, look at when you look at that offense, Drew Brees healthy for now at least, and a defense that 
is no no longer a joke, I think the Saints would be atop that list for me. And I think the, just doing this very quickly, I think the Vikings would be too. Because Sunday's game doesn't make me lose faith. My faith, it does not change. I, I still have my doubts about the Vikings, but those aren't based on Sunday's game necessarily. They're based on things that, that I actually went into Sunday doubting a little bit. Uh, so I would say Saints one, Vikings two. I'm Dude, still the Rams gonna, put up a fight yesterday. I'm man. still going to put Philadelphia three for now. Rams four. Seattle, I can't. There, I love Wilson, but they're so banged up on defense. Yeah, but there's still there's something about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. There's just something about those guys. It's the, the Tom Brady too, where you look and you say, oh man, you're without this key player, that key player, this key yeah. position group, and they just they're so good. You know, I, I need to see the Eagles without Wentz because it's hard not to take away from Wentz. He's an incredible talent, and, you know, he's going to win an MVP award at some point in the next three to five years. And he's one of the faces for the next generation of quarterbacks. So, But how much of it was the Eagles could put a lot of different guys, like kind of like the Vikings, where you can put a lot of different guys in that seat because of the coaching and the defense mm-hmm. and the home field advantage and all the weapons and all those things versus Wentz just being one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't know if we have an answer, and it might provide some clarity to see somebody else sitting in the driver's seat, a Nick Foles here. But without knowing, I'm going to say Saints number one. That's a legit team, man. That is, yeah. I know they got beat by the Falcons, but that was a, it's Drew Brees. It's an actual defense. Alvin Kamara was out in the first quarter of that game, and I think it's different if he plays the whole game. Saints and Vikings are kind of neck and neck right now in the NFC. And then a half notch below those two teams, I'm going to put the Rams and the Eagles tied. And then, actually, that's a good segue for your 651-646-8255 to what I think Paul's going to bring up. Go ahead, Paul. I'm scared to death about the Packers. See, that's, yeah. And I am. You guys know I'm a pessimist anyways. I'm more on Judd's (laughs) side of the the world. Nothing wrong with that, Paul. Yep. But, but. The poetic justice of Aaron Rodgers coming back, getting in, sneaking in in a wild card, and beating the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium for in whatever playoff game, let alone the NFC Championship. Am I out on left field thinking they're going to make the playoffs here? I'm, no. I'm rooting for teams like Atlanta and Seattle to all just keep winning. So Green Bay and even Detroit. So Green Bay doesn't get in. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just see this ending in a, and this is the typical Minnesotan in me. I see this ending in a bad way uh, for for the Vikings. And did, did you see the end of that game yesterday with Cleveland? There is no yeah. luckier team on the planet than the Green Bay Packers, and that's in every sport. December twenty third, Paul, you go to Lambeau Field and you take the stake and put it right through their heart. That's what you do if you're the Vikings. What if Aaron Rodgers is playing? You still put the stake right through their heart. You, you Let's see you it. Can do that. Let's see it. Yeah, that's uh, your that, opportunity. That's the easiest solution. Or Carolina beats the Packers this upcoming weekend. But the easiest solution would be the. And, and let's make no mistake here. I'm with Paul in that there's something frightening about Aaron Rodgers and momentum and Packers. But make no mistake, the Vikings have a better collection of 53 players than the Packers, and that defense is not good. Even with Aaron Rodgers, the Vikings are a better team than the Packers. But, but things... the Green Bay Packers have a horseshoe and always have. They're the stupid Hail Mary passes that they pull off all the time. That punt return yesterday at the end of the game was absurd. It just, they they have a horseshoe. Oh, the foreboding. The, don't. the See, foreboding in this state. And this is where it gets tough. So the Packers, <laughs> the Packers have to run the table, and it's a tough road for them. The Vikings are on that road. They have to run the table to get to 10-6. and six. 
and they're one game back. And I don't know where the tiebreakers fall here. There's a whole that's a whole other discussion. But just to get to ten and six and have a chance with tiebreakers, they would need Seattle and also Atlanta to both drop for sure one game. Now Atlanta plays at Tampa. That's a win, should be. But then they play at New Orleans and home against also fighting for a playoff spot Panthers. They're yeah. going to drop a game in there somewhere. Seattle. Uh, thank you, Paul, for the phone call. Um, Seattle plays the Rams this weekend and then at Dallas, which is still in the hunt mm-hmm. and then a home game against the Cardinals, which, uh, I mean, if, if that, if the Seahawks have something to play for, they should win a home game against the Cardinals. So it's very likely that Seattle and or Atlanta will drop you know at least one game each to then fall to six losses, thus opening go, the door for Aaron Rodgers. Go to Lambeau and put the stake through their heart and their season. It's doable. You can score points on that defense. It's not very good. If if Rodgers comes back, you know what? Abuse him again. He's not going to want to get hit. Abuse him again. You might take a penalty or two, but I mean there is there is that path. You have the ability to go there and you have a real ability to beat that team again. Yeah. And then you can get over all the fears about the Packers. I think the best case scenario for, for the Vikings here would be well, I mean, not to root for injuries. You Carson Wentz makes the NFL better. Uh but Having the Eagles with Nick Foles instead of Carson Wentz is actually a huge plus for the Vikings. Yes. And I don't mean to tap dance on the the you know the football grave of Carson Wentz there, but you know the Vikings are down to their third quarterback. So you know, Teddy Bridgewater is their franchise quarterback who's sitting on the shelf right now too. So it happens. It's football. The best case scenario would be, I think, if the Packers and the Seahawks both whiffed on the playoffs, and the Falcons and the Panthers made it in as lesser seeds than the Vikings. If Matt Ryan and or Cam Newton had to come to U.S. Bank Stadium for a game, the result would be different than this. Now, the Vikings took care of Atlanta on the road, so that's already that's already a fact. But if Cam Newton now has to come to U.S. Bank Stadium and the Vikings held him in check for two hours and 45 minutes yesterday until the 62-yard run, yeah, you could win that's that not, I don't think that's a game that you would fear a lot. Yes. Now, you know, you're playing top caliber teams and I get it and Cam Newton I think can the bust off those runs. I think the team you, you fear in the Saints. Is, is the Saints. Yes. They beat you before. Breeze is great and their defense now is is good enough. Their defense is good. It was a joke. So yeah, I think if you look at, at the playoff picture that you're painting right now I think the team that you become very afraid of is the yeah. Saints. Here's one way I would, back to our Case Keenum discussion and the, the quarterbacks that you're going to face in the NFC playoffs. If you were to rank NFL quarterbacks on how wide their range of play can be in any given game, quarter, season, whatever the timeline is, I think Case Keenum would have near the widest range of any of the 32 to 35 starting quarterbacks in the league. Because he can look like an MVP on some plays where he's dodging blitzers and pass rushers and stepping up and throwing a ball right. on the money to Adam Thielen, right? That. That that was a dagger throw too across the middle, giving Thielen a chance to run fifty two yards oh, for a Carolina touchdown. Completely broke down, but it yes, was, but like, a good job. but he, but he's capable of yeah. that, looking like an MVP. Yes, but then you know he's where Tom Brady is too, and Aaron Rodgers is too, yep. and Drew Brees is too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then on the other side of the coin, Case Keenum, uh, because his range of play is so wide, can also look like Blaine Gabbert on other instances where he's running into sacks or he's throwing the ball up for grabs, inaccurate over. And here. the difference is this infrastructure. Rodgers and Brady can win with you and me. That's what makes them incredible. They can take, if you look at the amount of times that the Patriots or Packers have have had O-lines that are really questionable, and they still get rid of the ball and win games. 
Case Keenum, you can take Case Keenum so far with with an offensive line that's good and with personnel around him that's good. But let's start to weed off the parts then. Like, take this part away. You take your right tackle away. Okay, he's okay still. You take your guard away. Okay, he's it's not as good, but it's still good. Now you take your left tackle away. Now you take your your back out. Now you take you get to a point where there are probably five players in the world and in this league who can still win games. And then Case is Case is the type of guy who at some point in time it's just going to be too much. Fourth quarter on Sunday is the poster child for that. It really is because it's not his fault that things broke down. But there gets to be a point where where when the pressure is coming from all sides, he's just going to be lost. And Brady's not. And I think that's that's the difference with that exclusive, very small group of quarterbacks compared to a larger group of professionals who are very good. Yeah. But if you take too many pieces away, it's just going to be over for him. And you know, another way to look at it too is because and we got a couple long term question phone calls on Vetline yesterday. You know, what do you do? You lock him up? Do you not? You're going to earn it if you're the Vikings defense or Case Keenum. It's how far you go will determine how much you trust your quarterback. If you plow through a Russell Wilson and then a road game in Philadelphia or an Aaron Rodgers in week 16, and then if you get far enough and you knock off like a Tom Brady or somebody in the Super Bowl, all of those questions will answer themselves over the next seven to eight weeks or so. Let's come back, keep the Vikings conversation going. Courtney Cronin is a Vikings insider for ESPN.com and a friend of the show on the Purple Podcast, and she will join us next. Phil Mackey. He's not a drama queen. He's a dummy. (laughs) Judd Zolgad. He's already ruined the Vikings. He's going to ruin the Wild. He needs to stay away from Target Center. Stay away from the Wolves. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hey, can I hit that quarterback in the face? I want to do it. Keenum in the Vikings, first play of the second half, and he was hit when he threw it by Addison. And now a ball, are they going to say it's a fumble? What's going on here? Yeah, no whistles. So. Mike Adams has the football. Yeah, it was a fumble. A uh, lot of things went haywire for the Vikings yesterday. Mackie and Judd, uh, you can find Vikings Ventline on demand, Purple Podcast, 15HardESPN.com. Courtney Cronin is a Vikings insider at ESPN.com. Can you update us at all on how concerned fans should be about the offensive line and the injuries and uh, and the collection that was out there at the end of the game yesterday, Courtney? Well, from everything that I'm hearing, uh, the injury to Pat Elfline is not going to be something that's too serious. So that's, you know, that's... Definitely a good sign because obviously we saw him before the game on the field, kind of knew that, um, you know, after practicing in the limited capacity this week, that wouldn't be something that was, you know, to keep him out all that much longer. But I do, we don't know about Riley Reef. I think that that situation where, you know, he leaves in a walking boot, you know, your left tackles make so much money because, you know, they're the most important part of that offensive line. And you saw how, so they're able to maintain somewhat, uh, you know, without the without Remmers and without Elfline early on. They were, you know, fighting from behind, but everything kind of collapsed once three point down. And you know, we'll know this week the severity of that. Mike Zimmer said, "I don't know." Um, yesterday, when asked about you know level of concern, so I don't know whether that's you know he just hadn't had it evaluated yet, or they're going to wait and see here. But usually with ankle injuries on the offensive line, that's not something that you you know, quickly, quickly bounce back from that. That could be something that might be a cause for concern. So with those three injuries, I would say the next three weeks, number one priority has got to be getting those guys 
as much rest and as you know as healthy as they need to be all in January because these next three games, you know, take 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 what you need to to be able to make sure that those three are at their best because you saw the offensive line you know, prove the point why it is the most important impactful position on this team yesterday. What uh, concern concerns you beyond that about this loss and and what did you see that that broke down? that you dismiss and say that that was more of a one-game blip in your mind, Courtney? Well, obviously in terms of the sacks, I think, you know, it goes both ways. Keenum needs to get the ball out quicker because in those circumstances, when you're facing really good defenses in uh, in the playoffs, I mean, that's going to happen more regularly, even with, you know, if the line's at full health and even if they're not. So I think that, you know, those type of circumstances, you give and take, but, when pieces start getting plucked away, um, you know, I think there are very few quarterbacks in this league um, that can that can operate, you know, when with a hand tied behind their back and with you know certain players on the bench. I think Tom Brady's one of them, Aaron Rodgers to a degree, and Russell Russell Wilson. Um, so I mean, that to me says says a lot with the way the injuries you know hit this team yesterday. Saw three guys leaving in a walking boot. Uh, Kyle Rudolph. Um, Emmanuel Lemur and Riley Reese. So that to me was probably the biggest concerning factor. Outside of that, I mean, there's just a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes, missed tackles. Um, you know, the first for the Jonathan Stewart touchdown. You know, you saw I was kind of confused as to what Barr and uh, Waynes were doing in coverage. I think Waynes was waiting for Stewart to bounce outside, um, but obviously when they overloaded the right side of the line in the jumbo package, I mean, that didn't happen. So I think that those things, the drops. Um, you know what happened in the red zone. You know, they, they didn't really do anything all that much different than what the Vikings have seen in the last few weeks since the bye, which you know, has led to some red zone success. So, I mean, I think the mis- uncharacteristic mistakes are, you know, that it was a bad game. It was a bad game, and they finally got a good. They got good Cam yesterday. Cam, you know, really came through, and that, you know, I think was his best performance in this five-game stretch where they've won five of the last six. Six-game stretch where they won five of the last games, but. You know, the biggest concern, I think, you know, is injuries. At this time of year, you have to be healthy. Um, I remember last year when Derek Carr went down uh, week week 16, and that wrecked everything. Everything went, you know, down the drain at that point because you have to have a healthy quarterback in this situation, too. Uh, Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, a Vikings beat writer. So I think we all know why the Adam Thielen touchdown was negated. Well, he, well, the first one was negated by himself. He should have caught the first one. It bounced off his mm-hmm. chest. But the second one, we all know that based on the way the rule is written, uh, he didn't complete the process to the ground. We get that. Do you think that play should be a catch? And if so, how would you rewrite the rule if you're the NFL to make plays like that a catch? Or are you okay with that being an incomplete pass? You know, I mean, he was okay with it. At least he said he was just understanding it. But you know, half the time we're always questioning what's a catch in the NFL. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, he had possession of it and then he bobbled it, like kind of rolled it across his body um, to be, it, and that's where they, that's where I think that they knocked it saying, you know, he didn't have possession of it. He wasn't in control of it, uh, I believe is what the ref said, you know, coming over uh, the PA after they reviewed the play. So, you know, I understand you, you can't be a guy, you can't, bobble the ball and kind of just like, you know, basically like play hot potato with it, trying to catch the ball, and then you magically catch it. It's a touchdown. That's, I understand the rule in place for that, but in a situation like Thielen where he 
basically rolled it across his body. You see, like, kind of like threw it out and put it back. I think that should still be a catch. So it seemed to me, and this is going to sound uh, simple, but I think it's important, uh, Courtney. Zimmer seemed to take this loss well. And I say that because when when the Vikings played a bad game last year coming out of the bye, you know, he got all upset and questioned the toughness of his team and and, and his line. And all those things at the time might have been legit. But you're saying to yourself, well, this team's still good. And and that type of of reaction internally might be fine, but it was surprising to, to me that he went frontal to the public. This time around, I thought his responses were much more along the lines of, hey, we've played well for a long time. We didn't play well today, but he seemed to process it calmly uh, as, as opposed to becoming upset about it. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good observation. Um, I mean, it was a very short press conference, I believe, like under three minutes. Um, so clearly, he didn't want to be there, didn't want to talk about it, but he did, and he was honest about it. I mean, the last play on um, the Cam sixty-two yard run, Sandejo missed a tackle, and you know it sucks. But two play, however many plays before that, he had an he was the one who picked off um, he picked off Newton, and he had and he had the interception. So I mean, there's good and bad with it. They didn't start the game well at all. So that's where I think that the blame needs to be. I mean, you saw how good they were in Detroit and then in Washington before that, being able to score early on the road. I mean, that's like your number one key right there to allow your defense to not have to come in and save the day. Um, I still think, you know, we talk about this defense and where it is in the big picture of, um, you know, of the great defenses in the NFL and, they haven't been tested all that much in the fourth quarter. Yesterday, obviously, was a huge test. What's going to separate this defense from some of the other great ones, especially ones that Mike Zimmer's coached before, is how they close out games in the fourth quarter and can they help this team pull off a fourth-quarter comeback. They fell short of that yesterday, um, and I think that that's probably one of their biggest learning experiences now as they have a much easier setup for the remaining three games of the schedule uh, that you know maybe they get tested. I, I think the biggest that that opportunity would probably come in Green Bay, but you know I think they need one of those to succeed in one of those under their belt if they want to make a strong playoff push. Yeah, that that if if Aaron Rodgers is playing in that Green Bay game and if the Packers are are fighting for a playoff spot and so they're all in and they have to win out and if you go in there that I mean that game is really going to help shape how you feel about this team going into the playoffs because if they go in and they win that game and they put a a proverbial dagger through the Packers' chances, you're going to feel like they can win the Super Bowl. If they don't, you're going to feel like, oh, almost any of these NFC teams can come in and, and catch the Vikings on an off day. Yeah, because we really don't know. Um, you know, the, the, the Week 6 win against the Packers has an asterisk next to it because Rodgers wasn't playing. I mean, that's that's what it is. So I don't know if they're really able to test the strength of this team in full quite yet. I mean, I mean, you want to test it against your division rival, and what better chance to do that now if Rodgers is going to be healthy and playing? I think it's a perfect opportunity. You want him to play in this game so you know what your strength is and what your weaknesses are before, you know, you could hopefully get a first-round bye, because by that time, if you have to, yeah, obviously it's good. You have to win one fewer game in the playoffs than, you know, probably the Saints, the Rams, uh, Seattle, but you're coming into that the second week of January, and you know if if Rodgers isn't playing in that game, I still don't think you know fully just how you know where your team is at because that 
these late December games make or break teams. And I think that that's one that they absolutely need to have um, him playing in to determine just how good they are. Yeah. Hey, Courtney, great stuff. We appreciate it. And uh, the, the the season just keeps getting more and more interesting, which is it'll be it'll be fun here going down the stretch. So we'll catch up soon. See you later. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. And uh, you see her all over ESPN, SportsCenter, all those things. Does a great job. Yep. Yeah, it's a kind of a mixed bag of reaction for uh, the green and gold after yesterday's win in Cleveland. Yeah, you know, I, I understand never want to lose the game, but I, I think we have to add to the talent to this group. And, uh, you know, if we can't do it by uh, getting a higher draft choice, I really hope this is a year that Ted's really got a hit on this draft. Go, Matt, go! This was such a great win for this team, man. And, uh, you know, like you guys were saying with Rogers sitting there by McCarthy calling the play call, I did not even see that he, you know, he uh, called to, for the spike. But, you know, like you're saying, this is a team effort. It was great. Go, Matt, go! Man, I, I'm still I'm furious over that, even though we won that game. What was that display? What was that, guys? That defense, man, I'm getting heart palpitations just looking at that defense. They're terrible. Yeah, no, they are. <laughs> Steve, how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or, hey, Bill. I'm, I'm You're a Steve. On the way. I, there you I, go. I am Steve. <laughs> go, Pat, go! That's still the best one of all time. <laughs> hey, Steve. No, you're Steve. I am on a bus. Yeah. Thanks for chiming in, Steve. <laughs> I really appreciate the call. Superstar Mike Morris at the top of the hour. Mackie and Judd now continue. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Boys, you know, there's nothing like crisp winter hockey air. Oh, it feels good out there, doesn't oh, it? Let's get yeah. some pucks Ooh, going. Brr. Do you know what I really love, gentlemen? What's that? A good love, bench clear and broad. Oh, 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 baby. I'm dreaming of a fight this Christmas Just like the ones I used to know When the fans start calling for the goons to start brawling And the refs would let them drop their gloves and go I'm dreaming of a fight this Christmas With blood that splatters on the glass When the benches start clearing And the fans, they start cheering Like when Willie Pled would kick Bob Probert's ass I don't uh, condone that type classic. of language for myself no, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a changed man. The game has changed. You've changed. I've cleaned up my act. <laughs> uh, that's from uh, Volume 1, Songs by the U-Log. We have Track 1 from Volume 3. A new track was just released early in the show. We'll 
play it again in the noon hour for those of you who missed it, or for those who want a heads up and just want to <laughs> just want to duck out. Yeah, that'll work as well. Uh, we're also posting all these to our social media platforms, so uh, Twitter, Facebook. It's all just backslash fifteen hundred ESPN, uh, gentlemen. Before we dive into more football here with superstar Mike Morris, the baseball hot stove, yeah, is heating up over the weekend. I'm trying to figure this out. So if I'm Aaron Boone, do I want to bat Judge Stanton and then Sanchez? Do I want Stanton, Judge Sanchez? Does it matter at this point? Sizzler. I mean, you could pretty much put that lineup, mix it up in a hat, yes. and you could bat Judge and Stanton 8th and ninth and score a 1,000 runs this season if you wanted to. Do you know how many routine-looking pop-ups are going to go out to right field there? Yeah. O- opposite field pop-ups? In that stadium, it's possible that one of them could hit a ball completely out of the stadium at some point this year. Uh, Derek Jeter must have just been on a conference call or something with New York reporters because he was saying that he's Derek Jeter is making all these moves for the Marlins and yeah. he's making the Yankees better. And the Marlins are now doing another teardown. They traded Miguel Cabrera a number of years ago. Now they traded uh, Giancarlo Stanton again. But if you're the Twins going into this week or just going into the off season and the the winter meetings and the, the aftermath. There are some big boy teams in the American League now, and there have been with the Astros and the Indians, but now that the Yankees have taken a step up and they can win a World Series, mm-hmm. and you look around, it's going to be, and the Angels just landed Shohei Otani, and they finished just outside the wild card last year too. Um, yeah, it's going to be time to make some moves here in the next couple of weeks for Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. So who scares you now? Yankees for sure. Astros. Cleveland. Indians, Houston for sure. Yep. Um, Boston always. Yeah, because just because they can. They can. They're always loaded. They can always. You know, I would say that the Angels with Mike Trout, if they add a pitcher here, you know, well, they Otani, we think is going to pitch. We don't know how good he's going to be, but we think he's going to be. Do we expect him good. to play the field and pitch? Do Do we know yet? I don't think they know yet. I think Sosha said pitch and DH was the initial plan anyway. Okay. But Pujols is their DH, which he's, is he's going to play some first base. Which might be uh, which might be the start of the move to push him out. I could see Pujols? that. Yeah, yeah I, could he, see I think that. he's under contract for like four more years. He can bar- absurdly. He can barely contract. walk. The last I saw, he can barely get, get down to first base. I wouldn't be surprised at all if if they try and uh, encourage him, perhaps to uh, to uh, take a trade of some sort. If but they they would still have to swallow a ton of that contract. I mean, that contract is awful. Maybe he goes back to St. Louis. But then he'd have to play first base there too. He'd have to. He has to be. Yeah, an I think American he's got a DH. Player. I think he's got to go somewhere yeah. in DH. But think about okay, think about that Yankees lineup in that game against the Twins. The Twins take a three nothing lead in that wild card game, a chance to make it five nothing, which would have made you feel really good. Three nothing uh, left a couple out there, but hey, it's still a three. It's it's a three run lead. That lead was erased within five breaths. In the bottom of the next inning. Yes. Without Giancarlo Stanton. Yes. Without a guy who can hit a ball almost 600 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember Giancarlo Stanton's home run in the home run derby at Target Field? Went halfway. It almost went out of the stadium. It went. I think it went more than halfway up the second def- deck in left field, correct? Yeah. yeah that, yes. So that lineup was feared, especially with the Twins' mediocre bullpen and starting he, pitching staff before they added that guy. He's going to hit 70 home runs. I think in that stadium... He has a very good chance. He's got a good a shot as anybody. Yeah, it's. I mean, we don't know what what guys are on these days, but if anyone could flirt with the Barry Bonds record, it's him in that stadium, right? Yes, 
Yeah, he and and he and he and Judge in that stadium will have the ability to hit what look like pop ups and what will go out. Congrats to Didi Gregorius, by the way, for the line of the weekend. Did you see his tweet about it? No. Yeah, uh, he uh, at Aaron Boone or whatever it is at Aaron Boone. Hey, Skip, what's it look like for me batting fourth next year? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, no pressure on Aaron Boone. You're just going to take over maybe the most vaunted lineup in recent Yankees history, a storied franchise with vaunted lineups. Yeah, just sit back and write out the card and uh, basically don't screw up your pitching staff is what it comes down to. Yeah. If guys stay healthy. Uh, Jeter said he met face-to-face with Stanton. I told him this organization is trying to build. We can build with you or without you. He had the he had the right to make the decision because he had the no-trade clause. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I'm sure he was going to say, yeah, no problem. I'd love to stick around here while, while you peel away every single part if I stay. Yeah, Jeter also said, I have I had no feeling about trading him to the Yankees. I just wanted the best deal. But they didn't even really get a – they got Starlin Castro and that, – That was it, right? A couple of – And prospects. C-level prospects. Yeah, they and just the, cleared and the, the money Yankees out. are paying the freight. Mo- yeah. Most of, if not all – what is it most of the freight? It's most of the freight, yes. yes. Okay. And the, Car- the Cardinals and Giants actually offered pretty good packages, and Stanton said no. So then he just went to the the Yankees yeah. and essentially said, "Pay most." Of Here, this. Here's your gauge for how the Twins did this off season. Okay, starting right now, the winter meetings are fired up today. There's rumors all over the place. They're going to be down there for four days. This is where action takes place. How good are you going to feel about any individual bullpen member when they face that lineup inside that stadium, either in a regular season game or a postseason? Let's let's even up the stakes. If you get to the postseason again yeah. and you face that lineup. Each reliever should be gauged on how comfortable do you feel with him standing on the rubber, not soiling himself inside that arena, mm. that venue. Yeah, yeah. My comfort will be. I don't think. I, I think I'll change Here's the channel. Alan Boozanich. I think I'll change the channel during most of these at bats. That would be my comfort. Coming into level. pitch, it's Michael Tonkin with what appears to be something streaming down his left leg. A <laughs> home run was 715 feet. <laughs> Uh, let's come back here, superstar Mike Morris. We'll talk more Vikings, and we can open up the vent lines if you guys have thoughts on. The, the landscape of the NFC now that Carson Wentz tore his ACL, uh, the Vikings after yesterday's loss, are you feeling more panicked or are you feeling like, okay, they got that out of their system? 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. And what is a catch in the NFL? We'll take calls on that too. 